Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, welcome to the program. Happy Wednesday, Dr. Paul. Great to be with you. Very good. We're going to be talking about, you know, the Federal Reserve and high prices. Hey, haven't we done this before? Is there anything else to say? Well, every day things change, so we have to keep up. It's sort of like COVID. We had to do that for a good many months, and we'll still be doing that because uh, some of those diehards aren't ever going to quit. They're, they're looking for the next virus, so, so they want to stay in business. But I'm still hoping my son will take care of that problem and get uh, Fauci fired, but we don't know what will happen. But I, I, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of activity if the Republicans take over the uh, Congress. Uh, we uh, generally aren't partisans, and we don't talk a lot about it, but uh, there definitely would be a difference if uh, some of those radicals from the left are out of office or out of power. And I think uh, changing power routinely is pretty good, but we can't, we can't depend on the leadership of either party because unfortunately, uh, they're, not, uh, they're not in the business of preserving liberty as much as they are in the business of preserving their political careers. <laughs> but I do want to go up and follow up on what we've talked about before, uh, you know, the pricing mechanism and why you have inflation, what is inflation, who causes inflation, what do you do about it? And, uh, you know, for me and so many others who understand Austrian economics, it's, it doesn't seem complex at all. And mm. it's been explained by good economists that, you know, inflation comes from, uh, you know, a distorted uh, money, monetary policy. You know, excessive money printing causes prices to go up. But there's a lot of other factors that go on. And the one thing is the most important factor, of course, is the Federal Reserve's contribution. But uh, that's the one that's least mentioned. <laughs> Very rarely uh, do they get on the air and say, we have to do something about the Federal Reserve, because everybody depends. That is, all the conventional politicians, because if you're in the welfare business, you need it. If you're in the war business, you need it. If you're in the business of uh, gaining political power, you, you need all this. So this is... Uh, this is a, 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 a problem that's been with us for a long time. And of course, even back uh, when the Federal Reserve was established in 1913, there were people warning us of the problems and the warnings have continued with the way uh, they were distorting the mon monetary system and Bretton Woods broke down. And right now though, how is inflation manifesting itself? Uh, I would think you know, there's probably a pretty good consensus on that. If you average the average person, uh, they'll, they're, they're going to say generally prices are going up. I can't afford anything. And if, they, if you push them on it, a, a large majority is going to say gasoline prices are too high. And uh, that's, uh, that's on their mind so people know about it. But uh, our concern, uh, Chris, is that... Uh, you know, do they understand how it starts? And when you listen to them, they have all kinds of excuses. Uh, you know, the, the most common one now that comes from the Republicans, uh, you know, Biden did it. Biden, it's all Biden's fault. And I, I bet you, uh, Chris, we could do a whole program on that and say, this is what Biden did uh, and how many things he did to contribute to it. Uh, mm. 
But there are other factors, too, and we want to talk about the other things other than uh, Biden. Biden, you know, if, if, okay, let's say Biden decides to give up the presidency, will we get the vice president in charge? Do you think that's going to change anything? <laughs> Who knows? It, it could get worse, you know, even. But uh, this, this is a, something that's been going on for a good, good bit, uh, but it's climaxing now in an event that uh, probably came to head with COVID uh, because uh, if people allude to it, the people who don't talk about the Fed allude to, well, COVID did this, COVID did this. And then they will say, well, the spending did it. The spending is inflationary. Well, it is if you explain it. But don't try to convince Nancy Pelosi about that. If spending is not, she says there's a shortage of spending. There's a shortage of debt. If we had more debt, there'd be less inflation. We could pay off all the debt. Now, I'll tell you what, she's third in line, and that should scare a few people. So maybe we uh, better hope for at least some type of a change next year. But uh, that was the best one that, uh, uh, that, that I saw, where it's a, the inflation comes from a shortage of spending and a shortage of, of, of debt. But debt itself is not to cause as much as how is the debt paid for and in this country and around the world the debt is paid for by the uh, devaluation of the currencies especially the dollar you know if you devalue the dollar and print a lot of money you can technically pay off some debt and uh, and and this will liquidate debt, but it, uh, it will also liquidate wealth. And that is not the answer. What we need, of course, would be having to uh, uh, in, install a sound monetary system. Chris, very good, Dr. Paul. And uh, while it's very easy and appropriate to criticize Biden for high gas prices, we have to criticize the American people too, because they enable the government to do what the government does. And the American people are conditioned right away is what should government do? What should they do with these high gas prices? Wrong question. It's what should they stop doing? They've already created enough problems. We don't need them creating more. So what are some things that they should stop doing? Well, get rid of the federal gas tax. That's a no brainer. But then there's all the red tape that prohibit and hold up oil production, you know, high Prices means produce more. So if you need to produce more, you got to get out of the way and let production take place. There's also the military empire, the biggest empire ever. It's the largest polluter in the world. Keep that in mind as you're using your paper straws and bags made out of wheat or whatever. It's not you that's polluting. It's the military empire is the biggest polluter. What do you think that does to the price of oil? And then you have all the wars that the empire is involved in, and that affects oil and gas prices. You could get rid of the strategic oil reserve or whatever. That's a central planning mechanism. Government should not be stockpiling oil any more than it should stockpile sneakers or telephones. Uh, you know, that's central planning. We need the market. So, you know, we need government to stop doing, and we should have learned that from COVID. Because during COVID, people were asking, well, what should they do to get us back to normal? And the more they did, the more they did, the worse everything got. This is how government works no matter what it is, whether it's COVID, oil. You have to stop asking them to do and start asking them to stop, repeal. Once they started repealing all their COVID tyranny, things started going back to normal. Like it's magic. So that's what has to happen with the American mindset. It has to change big time. 
Chris, I like the fact that you mentioned the, the military-industrial complex because uh, they, they are great polluters and using up all this energy and all that. And uh, this, this is not mentioned very much, mainly because our military policy and our foreign policy is very bipartisan. So the people are screaming, well, wish we had more bipartisanship. They're off on tangents if they don't think uh, we get too much. Uh, they don't realize we get too much bipartisanship. And uh, it's the support for the wars around the world that has, has been the problem. And, uh, and that, co- that costs money. And uh, if the money came from savings and it didn't uh, demand uh, that the Fed inflate the currency, it would be a little bit different. It would just be a lot less involved. We'd have a lot less wars. And that would be shame. But if they do, if they do it and, uh, and, and they don't, and they don't, uh, don't have the money to do it and they just inflate, uh, that, that is a, a real problem. And that pushes energy prices up. But it's still back to, you know, spending is important. But not spending alone unless it requires monetization, and it usually does. So uh, when you think of a $30 trillion national debt, no, nobody expects that to be paid. Nobody even expects it to go down $1. It's, and it's, it's now growing exponentially. It's all dependent on this illusion that the dollar can last forever by printing money. But I would say the illusion is being challenged right now because there are other people thinking about challenging the dollar as the reserve currency uh, of the world. Now, you know, there was another, I think it was Biden said uh, what, what he would do because he didn't like to be blamed for the inflation. He said, uh, well, you, you can't deal with wages. You can't cut wages, but you can cut costs on the businessman. If the businessman would just cut costs, they would pay. They would pass the savings on to the consumer, and he he said it like he he might even believe that. But you know, it gets to be so silly on what they do. But so they're they're saying that uh, it's it's the cost. Uh, cost can be just reduced and solve our problem. The other thing that comes up to mind right now too uh, that uh, is involved to a degree is uh, what's happening in, in environmentalism. You know, a lot of investments are done by uh, co- uh, certain companies claiming they're strict environmentalists. And of course, that sometimes requires, uh, you know, subsidies and encouragement and malinvestment. It really messes, messes things up. And uh, yet the, uh, in, in the environmentalists, uh, you, you know, You've already mentioned the military-industrial complex. You know, there's an example where the environmentalists, they still vote for the uh, military-industrial complex, and this is a threat to the environment. But still, it's back to the whole issue of the natural restraint if you have honest money. You don't have to have a Federal Reserve. You don't have to have, you have to have honest people and honest money and honest politicians. No sweat. We can just wave a wand. It's all going to happen next year when we have the election and everything will be okay. But uh, obviously it's a big problem because we lack the honesty in government that is necessary. And uh, it, the, the, one, the one reason why this is so important in a monetary system, the most important thing is what the founders did immediately. Define the unit of account. They define, they define the dollar as a precise weight 
of silver. And uh, so it's the definition of the a unit of account that is important, but there isn't any. So calculation is just thrown out the window. Then when you throw out the window, the, the process of even under these circumstances, you could have the market telling us what real interest rates were, mm. uh, but that wouldn't be very nice because nobody wants interest rates have to be low in order to keep the economy going. So how low do they get? Well, minus five or minus 10 or whatever. They just keep it, taking it down, taking it down. So those are the kind of things that would have to be straightened out in a new monetary system. So even though there's a couple countries threatening to uh, get another currency to challenge the dollar, which I encourage, I think anybody should. But what really needs to be challenged is the marketplace being permitted to devise a legal tender uh, and uh, devoid of all fraud, that they can't commit fraud. And maybe, because you know, when our country started, I mean, our government suggested a unit of account, but they didn't say, you will have a central bank, even though back then, even Hamilton wanted a central bank from the very beginning. This argument's been going on for a long time. Chris? Yeah, Dr. Paul, we, uh, we've strayed very far from, you know, even, even though they weren't free markets ever in this country, they were freer for sure. And now we're just that full-blown addiction to government interventionism. And we're getting the results we deserve, you know. People always want government to do more, and the government will do more. You know, they created trillions in stimulus and spending, and, uh, you know, we had Thomas Massey who's saying, stop, this is the biggest ripoff ever. And he was alone, you know, like Dr. Paul was alone. And, and what has happened with all that stimulus? It's driving up prices. You know, we can't uh, abolish supply and demand. And people don't say, look what you've done, you know, now go away, government, you've done enough harm. No, they say, do something more. Help us. These prices are too high. And the politicians don't say, yeah, we did that, sorry. Uh, you know, they, they start pointing fingers elsewhere. He did it. Putin did it. Uh, the oil companies did it. It wasn't them. It wasn't the politicians. The politicians say, we, we need to do something to help you now that these gas prices are up. And what we worry about is that they're going to continue to do it. And what are they most likely going to try? Hopefully they don't, is price controls. And that is a recipe for shortages. Everybody knows that. Uh, and and it won't stop at shortages. Then you get to rationing. You know, once there are shortages, they'll start rationing gasoline. Oh, you can't get gas today. Today is only for essential workers. You're not essential. You come back three days from now, then you could get gas. And don't you think after what we went through with COVID that there's a lot of people out there that love bullying others. It's not just the government. Look at what people did, Americans did to other Americans during that time. So they, there's a lot of petty tyrants out there. Do, do we need to go down the road of price controls, shortages, and rationing? You know, we may head down that road, and we'll report on it here on the show. But again, we have to go back to government has to stop doing and just stop, and things will, you know, get back to a semblance of normality. You know, the traders and the people in the market, the military industrial complex, the politicians, they, they adjust, they come up with gimmicks. They know how to, uh, you know, bail out certain groups uh, at the expense of others. But uh, <clears throat> a headline this morning, matter of fact, just recently on Zero Hedge, I cut the headline that caught my attention. It says, energy traders ask for central bank bailouts to save them from margin call doom. 
So there's a lot of work out there trying to work this market and understand that it's, a, it's not an, a market that can be understood because it makes no sense and, you, and it, it's a guessing game. You know, what's the Fed going to do? What do they think they can do? What, what, what might they do? And all this anticipation goes in. Right now, the big deal uh, on this economic planning and what the Fed is going on, just think of the agitation that they've had now quite a few years because they tried a couple years ago to allow interest rates to go up a little bit and the recession came flaring, came, came challenging back. And right now they're talking about that again. But all the talk and discussion to whether or not they can raise the interest rates 25 basis points and maybe 50 basis points. <laughs> and you know, if you look at the real interest rates, they admit they admit the inflation, the price inflation is seven, eight, nine percent, and it's probably a lot higher. So it's not coming anywhere close to a real interest rate. So they don't have anything that they can measure things by, but they will they, they will continue to do it. But the big the big thing they're arguing why the markets uh, you know get a little bit confusing because you know with all this chaos. You'd think I just made the case where gold ought to go up $200 today. Well, not today, but maybe later on. But the markets are conditioned from a Keynesian viewpoint that if you have interest rates go up, the claim is, uh, some believe it and some know exactly what they're doing. Some claim, well, if you get your interest rates up, it'll be more attractive to put your money in, in something that pays uh, interest uh, than in gold. And they say it doesn't pay any interest. Well, what kind of interest are you going to earn? How can you, you know, it's one or 2% now. What if it goes to 5%? You're still losing, you know, because the inflation is so much higher. But but the psychology is that if they think they're going up, the the market reacts in a negative way, especially uh, for gold. And uh, the authorities will also help that along too because they do get involved uh, in the marketplace. But the interest rates, uh, you know, are are very, very important. And uh, I remember so clearly in the 1970s, the same argument was made because they were astounded. Uh, well, the Phillips curve, you know, says that if you have economic growth the, uh, 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 and there's CPIs going up and prices are going up and there is a healthy economy, it, it's, it's bad because it's going up a little bit too fast. So the correction, uh, the correction is, is to have a recession and get the prices down to keep it down. And that's what they're talking about now. How can they slow up the economy? In a free market, if you have a healthy growing economy, uh, you, you know, you don't ever have a, a purpose. You don't have a recession on purpose as part of the, of the policy. Uh, but of course, if you have, if you have a healthy economy, you might have the kind of results they had at the end of the 19th century, uh, where, uh, where prices went down, but there was a free market too. Prices went down and there was no, no recession, uh, there, uh, you know, especially there was not that much uh, economic uh, weakness from it. But during the 70s, uh, when they decided, well, we're messing around, we're tinkering around, we have to really do something about it. The conditions were bad, but not as bad from my viewpoint as they are today. So they finally uh, got Volcker to come in. And he said, you're gonna bite the bullet is what you're gonna do. And he kept ratcheting up and trying to get real interest rates uh, to, to rise. So it took his effort several years to get interest rates at 21%. 
and, uh, and, and finally, you know, that sort of cracked it. And, uh, and they say, well, uh, boy, I bet you with interest rates like that, nobody would buy gold. But you ought to take a look at what happened to gold in the 70s. It went from $35 an ounce up to 800 before it broke. You know, it was a tremendous thing. The prices of gold was soaring as the interest rates were going up. So today, we see the interest rates threaten to go up maybe tomorrow at 25 or 50 basis points, and gold is, seems to be in the doldrums. But if you look at the gold carefully, you'll find out it's really not in the doldrums. Uh, gold is, is uh, you know, sometimes uh, patiently does its duty and uh, preserves wealth. Uh, but right now, it, it looks like people are going to concentrate on these interest rates and the CPI, which is all in many ways a distortion from the kind of information that investors and consumers really need. Right, Dr. Paul. I will finish up. Um, you know, here we we tend to blame the politicians because they have uh, powers. They use them unconstitutionally, even though they swear by the Constitution when they get in. They just totally ignore it. So they use force in the marketplace, and it messes everything up. And the people are largely to blame, too, like I mentioned. But the people are taught in government schools, and then you have the media that picks it up once you get out of school. So Americans are conditioned, and they are convinced that the government must be a regulator in the market. They are convinced that this is what it ha how it has to be. And if you're a big corporation, that is music to your ears. If I was a CEO of a major corporation, I would want the people to think that my corporation needs to be regulated by the government. And you never see uh, big corporations complain that, oh, we need free markets. They do not want free markets at all because the government is them. You have all these agencies, and they're all stocked with people that worked at the corporations, and they go to the agency, and then back to the corporation, and they just make money hand over fist. You have the FDA, what we just went through for two years with them. It's all big pharma. The Department of Energy is big oil. The Fed is big banks. They have it locked up, and the American people want it. They want government regulation, and they're getting it. Uh, th because what ends up happening is you have the laws are made by the big corporations for the big corporations. And uh, we, you know, the lonely voices out in the wilderness say get rid of all of these. The FDAs, all of them, get rid of them. But that is such a sticker shock from, for Americans. They say, oh, no, no, you can't have the free market. Big corporations will rip us off. <laughs> well, big corporations are using the government to rip us off. You know, so people hate the system as it is. They can see that they're being ripped off, but they are just too afraid of freedom. And until this system self-destructs, as it must, because central planning cannot work, we're stuck with government regulations. But we must do our jobs to try to convince people that once this falls apart, it's free markets that you want. Very, very good, Chris. Um, you know, the uh, money supply is important. We, we know that most people have, in a way, ad admitted to this, except for the people who want to continue this process going and they don't want interest rates to ever, ever go up. 
the increase in the money supply certainly does have uh, have have a problem, and it, it is a base. It is one of the basic causes. It, but then it causes trouble, and uh, it causes distortion. It causes people to run up debt they shouldn't be doing. And Chris mentioned about regulations. It invites regulation because there's a distortion. The sorting out is supposed to be done by the marketplace. And all oh, that would be too ruthless. We can't let people fail. No, that's what a market is for. You know, if you're not providing a consumer the right product for the right price, unfortunately, in a free society, you fail. What happens, though, is the people who are successful, the people vote them in with their dollars, where they spend their dollars, and that's why they make profit. But that doesn't exist anymore. That, that, uh, that is, oh, that's too harsh. They're more sympathetic. If a person is having trouble, what you do is you bail them out and tax the people who are successful. It, it makes no sense, and that's why we deteriorate and, and keep going down. But, you know, it starts with uh, this excuse. We started with the Federal Reserve of allowing money to be created freely out of thin air, which is encourages the mal investment. It encourages wars that shouldn't be fought. It encourages the development and the growth of the, of the, of the welfare state. But anyway, if you talk to people, uh, I imagine if you go out and do a man-in-the-street interview, you'd find a lot of people, well, what do you think should be done? What do you think should be done? Well, under these circumstances, they have to send us a check because we need money. You send us money. And isn't that exactly what they did under COVID? Republicans and Democrats, they sent a lot of money. They had QEs and they had trillions and trillions of dollars created out of thin air. Was it all appropriated? No, that's old fashioned. It's sort of like, did you declare war before you went to war? No, that's old fashioned. We don't do that anymore. So they go out and they pass out that money. But the people come up under these conditions, so many of them will say, there's a shortage of money because I don't have enough money to pay my bills. And they don't see past that. But is that all their fault? Well, part, no, it can't be all their fault because some people uh, haven't had an opportunity to be exposed to uh, sound economic policy, which is based on some moral principles and uh, know, know about free markets and properties and contracts. They're not going to hear this, and they certainly won't be encouraged to look at what we're talking about in government schools because that would undermine the power of the government. It would undermine the military industrial complex, the welfare state. It would undermine the people involved in all the jobs. All those people in government, where would they go to work if you weren't paying them all this money? Oh, well, we'd have to find another bureaucratic job. What, what about a virus? Yeah, we can declare war on a virus and we can declare war on somebody. That always uh, is an excuse and the people are very apologetic and, and they want to be sympathetic because they don't want to be accused of not being patriotic. So the, the, uh, the evidence is there. The truth is there. Sound money is there. What freedom can do is available to us. But I think one of the real culprits is the is the uh, type of education that comes from very young age. It goes to a government school where people are not taught uh, the moral principles of free markets and property and what liberty is all about. That's what we hope to contribute to, to a better understanding of what liberty is all about. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. To the Liberty Report, please come back soon.